elimination match of Valorant Champions. All right, welcome everybody to the first episode of Esports Report. I'm Money Monzon. I'm here with your other host, Skis, and we are going to bring you all things FPS from the week. We're going to go over new games, patch notes, what happened in comp, and let's get right into it. We had a big week this week, Skis, with the Valorant Champions Finals. 12 days of action in Berlin is the hottest thing in esports. What stood out to you? You know, uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the NA teams, you know? NA teams getting eliminated early. We didn't really uh, show too much of a presence, honestly. Uh, but, I mean, that being said, I think the final match between Ascend and Gambit was uh, all it all it stood out to be, you know? It was entertaining, five maps. I mean, it was good. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong when you get a, a five-map best-of-five for the final, and you're exactly right. The NA scene was disappointing, to say the least. Um, the one that stood out to me, I mean, it has to be Sentinels. You have Shazam, what most people think is the best player in the world in tens, and they can't even make it out of group. Um, the only NA team to make it out of group was cloud nine um envy struggled yep. they got envy had a player in crashies get covid so they had to play from their hotel room there's something to be said about you know being in a LAN event and then playing in a hotel room uh, i think the stage buff is real um but like you said a very entertaining final i was happy and surprised um by the performance from ascend starzo really stood out he had a uh, 208 ACS rating in the finals. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one thing I will say is, I mean, I'm I'm very new to Valorant, right? You know this. I just started playing like a week, two weeks ago, so I'm very new to this scene. I don't know a whole lot about uh, a bunch of the players, but it's definitely intriguing. After watching Champions, you know, I I really want to start getting into it a little bit more. Um, it was fun to watch some of these really young players uh, go out there and compete. Like it, it was just so fun to watch Chronicle try to celebrate on stage after <laughs> he was whenever they time. made it to the finals. He was struggling so hard, but uh, you know it was really good seeing some of these guys uh, be able to play in a LAN. And I do think some of that LAN um, versus online experience does play into the fact that maybe i mean maybe a few few kills here and there go certain ways and when you're using abilities like you have in this game that definitely uh plays into the outcome of some of the match but at the end of the day i don't know if if uh you know envy would have had um an advantage necessarily on LAN if they were there but yeah, I agree entirely, and there's two things to note here. First, um, the NA final qualifiers, and Sentinels wasn't a part of this. They have LAN experience, and they weren't part of the final qualifier, but it was held online, and it was supposed to be a LAN, but everybody got there, and there was a huge COVID outbreak, so they shut it down, put yeah. it on LAN, or put it off of LAN onto an online tournament. So that's additional LAN experience that a lot of these young players aren't getting. I was looking right. through the individual stats for the tournament, and I found this really interesting. You look at the top 10 um, average combat scores, which is kind of the best way to measure how you've done um, 
in a game of Valorant, and you have Durka from Fnatic, Leaf from Cloud9 Blue, Saucy from Viking, Scream from Liquid, Heat from VivoKeed, Kesnid, Yay, Dubstep, Buzz. And you look at those names, only two of those players even made it out of groups. And that suggests to me yeah. that Valorant is very much how you function as a team. And there's not a lot of RNG in this game. It was built for esports, and you have to have five players using their abilities in conjunction with other players. And I think that's that's what's so exciting about this game and its rise to compete with um, Counter Strike as the number one number one FPS uh, esport in the world. So we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, and one thing real quick about RNG in this game. We were watching uh, Tens and his stream of the Grand Finals. And he actually got into a pretty good point where he was talking about how there's not a lot of RNG in this game. But the one thing that is RNG is pistol rounds with the with the classic, with the right click. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he got into a little five-minute rant about um, Chronicle going for a right click and none of his shots hitting because they all went different directions. Not He was not... Uh, whereas if he would have just left-clicked, he probably would have got the kill, and uh, that kill would have swung his team to w- win the pistol round and be able to you know, start getting their eco going and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool to see a professional player go into talking about a little bit of RNG with the, at least that the one pistol. Yeah, and we'll see if Valorant addresses it again. I think we've all been conditioned as Valorant players. If you've played Valorant at all, you... Um, you know how overpowered the right-click classic has been, and they recently nerfed it. So if you're jumping or moving a lot, um, there's a lot more spread in the bullets. But for so long, we're used to just being able to jump at people at close range, right-click, and land at least one or two shots. So if you get the call from your teammate that somebody's weak and you run and jump classic at them, um, I think some of that is just ingrained. So we'll see what Riot does, but they've definitely toned down how powerful the classic is. And I think they should. I mean, it's a free weapon after all, you know what I mean? Right, right. All right, so that's our VCT recap. There's a a lot of statistics here on the spike.gg. It's really interesting to see. I mean, they when you have a game that's so focused on esports, you start with a base of statistics so you can go back and and see analyze how you've done, how other teams have done and it's really interesting. So check that out sometime. Um big news today. Uh this was not in our agenda. Uh, but it's been a added hours a couple hours ago. This is almost breaking news. Uh, Nick Merckx has said that he intends to go pro for the next ALGS split in Apex. Um, it sounds like he has one duo picked out. That's It's Deeds. I don't know much about It's Deeds, but apparently he's been playing a lot of ranked with Nick Merckx. Um, yes. What do you think, Steve? Do you think this is going to be the first phase Apex team in kind of has to be right you know what with with nick Merckx being a part of phase and you know co-owner of phase whatever that may be um i I think it has to be i think he has to play under the phase banner i don't think he has another option really um and i think it would it would go good you know i think that would be really good for phase to kind of spread their wings a little bit get into different games uh that they're in right now um you know, with Nick Merckx, you also have to take into account that it is Nick Merckx. Like, you can't take everything he says super serious, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. there, 
I mean, there's times where he, he's doing work behind the scenes. You know, he may not actually intend to do that. He might have just said it, and people have overreacted because he does have such a big fan base. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point. But um, another thing is with its deeds, the funny thing is, is so Nick Mer- real quick, my, Nick Merckx is like one of my favorite streamers. I've watched him for forever. He met uh, its deeds in ranked play. He didn't like meet him through Twitter. He didn't meet him through anything. They matched up in a game in ranked, and they just grinded ranked together when he was trying to get uh, pred. And yeah, they they've been playing a lot together. Um, they play with this other guy, Corey. Um, I don't know his experience really, but I think deeds and Nick Merckx together. Um, would not only be entertaining to watch, but I think they could. I think they could do something with it. I think they could, uh, you know, make a make a little living out of that. Even though, I mean, Nick Merckx is already set up for life. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a good point that you know it's Nick Merckx and his part of his brand is saying things to you know for the impressions. But I'm gonna read here a list of um, esports organizations that have entered the Apex scene, and that's Sentinels, Energy. Uh, G2, TSM, Complexity, Space Station, 100 Thieves, Cloud9 recently has added a team again, Team Liquid, um, Pittsburgh Knights, Exit, and the only real Tier 1 organization that's not on that list is FaZe, so it does, it would make sense for them to enter the scene, especially if they have a marquee player, and I think more than what it would do for Nick Merckx, I think Nick Merckx playing in the ALGS would take this league to a whole new level. You look at the prize pools compared wow. to other majors' um, esports, and the prize pools are so much larger than Apex, but the viewership is going to skyrocket if it Nick Mertz is. enters this scene. And and the viewership of Sky or the viewership of Apex has skyrocketed since Nick Mertz quit playing. Uh, Warzone, you know, um, mm-hmm. he switches over to Apex. He loses. I mean, when he was streaming Warzone, he was sitting at about fifty thousand viewers a stream. Now he's sitting at maybe maybe thirty playing Apex. But you know, he's doing what he loves, and he's brought a whole new light to this game that um, people have just kind of overlooked in the past. People are just sitting uh, playing their normal call of duty games are now starting to get into apex a little bit i think it's really good for the apex community as a whole because so many more streamers have benefited from such a big name like nick Merckx uh playing the game that they all love i totally agree and i think this is a good transition point to caldera warzone has had a um very big change and a, a change that has been coming for over two years now, there is a new map, Caldera. Um, Skis, I'm going to read a couple of tweets to you to get your reaction, but speaking of large names leading, leaving the scene, um, Dr. Disrespect, he is a variety streamer, but he has a lot of impact in the community, and he said this, The more I play Caldera and this World War II theme, it makes me want to throw up all over my high-end peripherals. Boring, period. And that's a very Dr. Disrespect uh, thing to say. Uh Aiden, NYSL Aiden, uh, probably the biggest name in Warzone, revered as, if not the best, one of the best players in Warzone, said this, not a fan of the Caldera map so far, I feel like I'm just running up hills and rocks and just die to people sitting on top of them for every single death. 
He also said, man, I'm really sad. I had to hop off Caldera because I just wasn't having fun. I feel like the only thing Caldera has over Verdansk is how pretty the map looks. Those are some strong things to say. There are very strong things to say. And what I take out of this is it's a new map. Um, there's going to be issues. There's going to be bugs. Um, and whenever these tweets went out, keep in mind, uh, the Modern Warfare and Cold War guns had not been added. Um, so my my initial reactions when I played Caldera for the first time was that I hated it. I did not like it. I did. I feel like the floor loot is terrible. I feel like there's too many open spaces on the map. Um, but I think once I started playing with the Modern Warfare and Cold War guns in this game, that I found myself being able to engage in more uh, fights more confidently in open spaces because I have guns that um, can actually shoot at range. You know, these World War II guns we're using for Vanguard don't <laughs> necessarily have the range that the ones that are in the Modern Warfare game and the Cold War game. Yeah. Um, so I, I found myself starting to like it a little bit more. Um, but I do think that there is a lot of height, a lot of elevation disparity and you just kind of have to get used to engaging in fights and elevation and taking elevation instead of just running and gunning at people. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that um, a decision that Activision Blizzard made to um, change the loadout system is going to have to be tweaked. Uh, you have to wait a while yeah. to be able to get your loadout until the first loadout drops. But also, um, they are initially trying to just have the Vanguard guns in the game. And like you said, there is just not enough range weapons to fight on this map at the moment. And obviously there's a lot of weapon weapon tuning to do, a lot of a lot of stuff that goes into finding the right space that these guns need to be in for a new map, especially when you're trying to merge them with, you know, two other games worth of weapons. So I understand how difficult that can be, and maybe that was just a stopgap to get them to a space where they feel like the guns were tuned properly. Um, yeah. But definitely using the Cold War guns, specifically like the Swiss K to give you some range, it, it feels a lot better than just using the Vanguard guns. Right. Well, with the Vanguard guns, also the I mean the snipers are terrible. That the flinch is incredible. <laughs> oh, it's insane, and the I feel like the bullet drop off with the guns are just astronomical compared to the ones of the other um, two games that we've been used to playing in Verdansk for what two years now. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, it, sorry to interrupt, but I think there's a, a big oh, yeah. point here. Um, there is a major barrier to entry with the Vanguard guns. You have 10 attachments, right? And I've seen people on TikTok with these Car 98 builds that look like they're hit scan and, you know, have less flinch and less aim down sight sway. Um, but the majority of the COD community, and I don't have any numbers to back this up, but um, Call of Duty is a very casual game. A lot of weekend warriors. If you're going to have to level up new metas of guns to 10 attachments in Vanguard um, just to get to a point where you can even try to compete on Caldera, I think that's a mistake. I, I th Yeah, I think that's a mistake as well because you have to think, um, 
like what about the people that are working you know nine to fives every day they have families they go home they have to take care of kids put food on the table for the kids you know they're they're not going to bed until nine o'clock then they hop on maybe for like an hour or two to get a couple games in i mean it's just people don't have the time to grind out these guns to be able to compete you know with uh people that are sitting down for six seven eight hours a day grinding guns so that they can just run through war zone and melt people you know um i think one thing that that contributes well one thing that um i thought of just now actually as you were bringing that up is uh like weapon skins weapon blueprints i wonder how many of these people that are well even we buy weapon blueprints right mm-hmm. and we play games quite a, a bit more than i would say the average person um like i wonder how many weapon blueprints these people are buying to try to compete you know try to just at least be fair in a gunfight against somebody that's been having weapons max level all these time all this time and, and maybe that's the plan you know activision has proven in their actions that they care more about making their money than the community at times and well and then they have all this money and they don't come out with an anti-cheat for two years like that's i don't know so kind of crazy to me yeah it's it is definitely crazy and they finally invested some money into ricochet which is only going to be an anti-cheat for the PC players, which I think is fine. You have cross-play, and it's much easier to cheat on PC. You'll still have people using Cronuses and stuff on consoles, but those kind of cheats are not game-ruining the way that PC cheats are. I'm looking here, and I want to get into talking about the future of Warzone, because it is the biggest shooter right now um, in the world. I'm looking at viewership, and Apex Legends is at 41,000 currently. Valorant's at 88,000. Halo Infinite's at 91,000. Fortnite's at 70,000. Call of Duty is at 122,000 viewers. So its viewer base is still very strong. Um, I think, though, that Warzone is in a delicate space right now. Activision needs to make some of these changes that the community is calling for because if they lose other major content creators like Tin the Tatman, they lose Aiden, they lose some other streamers that are carrying the scene a little bit and are vocal about leaving for another game, I think that... I don't think the game dies, but I think that the player base gets cut dramatically. Right. Well, one one thing you do have to remember is even if all of these streamers leave the game, right? Um, Warzone is still a very casual game. These people aren't uh, these people. I mean, the the casual gamers not watching Twitch. You know, they're not trying to learn necessarily the metas. They're not trying to. Uh, they're just trying to have fun with their friends you know they're they're sitting back on a friday night drinking a couple beers and trying to get some kills in warzone uh one thing i will say is um i'm just looking at viewership on some of the people i follow on twitch swag right now has 10 percent of all the warzone viewership swag is also i mean swag is one of the biggest names in warzone obviously um, but I'm also looking at all of the channels I follow, and he is the only person streaming Warzone. 
right now that has mm -hmm. more than uh that has more than a thousand viewers because mm -hmm. um, nobody else is streaming it like nick Merckx right now is playing halo mm -hmm. shroud's playing eft yep I, I these people just aren't playing the game anymore and i mean i think that's another thing why apex and valorant and all these other games are getting so much um viewership because people just aren't playing call of duty anymore yep i totally agree Speaking of Call of Duty skis, we have um, one of the most exciting times of the year coming up. CDL, the Call of Duty League, is starting up, and there has been a lot of interesting moves on rosters. I know that you've been watching a lot of scrims. Talk to me about what you expect to see in the coming months as Call of Duty League gets started. Um, so pretty much rosters are set. Um... And the biggest roster change, I think, was the um, Dallas and the Optic merge. So Envy and Optic merged to make uh, Optic Texas. Um, they are, I mean, they're scrimming uh, quite consistently, which is good to see. Um, so they have they have Scump, Dashy uh Shotzi and Illy that is their team that is a um, roster to watch yes it is um and a, a big thing to note with that roster though the i mean they lose formal they lose envoy to LAT that's a big roster change envoy to LAT i think will help um the thieves a lot however they have not been scrimming very much they only have two scrim or three scrims and two of them were against Optic, which is very interesting to me. Well, it's a hoodie org, skis. I mean, I know it's a hoodie <laughs> org. They're, you know, they're then in the apparel, all that stuff. But I think Envoy on that team could, you know, uh, could bring them to another level. I think Envoy is a very underrated player. I think he is one of the best in the game. Um, and him teaming up with Octane out there is, I think... I think that's going to be pretty a pretty lethal duo over there. Um, you know, uh, we also have uh, Crim Six with the merge of Envy and Optic. They Crim Six went or he goes to New York um, to play with Clayster. Do you yeah. think Crim still has it? Crim still has it. Crim still has it, man. So you're suggesting uh, that Clay might not. Clay does not have it anymore. And he brings. Clay, I mean. I'll be honest. I mean, Clay was when Clay was in his prime, he was one of the best. He was one of the best for sure. But he's getting older now. I mean, I say he's getting older. He's what, like 27, 28, something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's getting old in, um, in esports age. Yeah, I mean, Scump's 26. He's considered old. Yeah. But um, I think I think uh, New York though could be could be a sleeper team with uh, Krim and Clay teaming up. Having that veteran leadership and just uh, the experience is, I think, I think that there's something to be said about that for sure. I and maybe Krim helps this, but I worry about the subliners just because drama seems to be attached to Clay, and at some yeah. point you have to look in the mirror and say maybe, maybe it's me. And I feel like things that have happened. Um, even last year with clay and some of the younger players um it it's a detriment 
and maybe yeah. maybe crims that presence there that can keep Clayster in check, but I worry about that. The one the one that I circled skis as my dark horse, I think mm-hmm. Rocker is going to be very, very yes. good. Rocker, uh, yes. Priesta is still very young and he has loads of Call of Duty experience to this point. Um, mm-hmm. you, you add in Standy, who was impressive last year, uh, veteran and major maniac, and Attach was brilliant at times last season. I think that that yes. roster can really do some damage. Now, if scrims mean anything, though. So I have Rocker's scrim record pulled up. Uh-oh. They have won one scrim out of three, six, nine. That is a bad record. Yes. Um, the one scrim that they have won was against Optic. It was 4-3 split, seven-map series. Um, but the other two times they played Optic, they lost uh, 4-0 and 4-1. So I'm not saying scrims are everything, right? Because I from the past they don't mean anything really because optic was really good last year and optic didn't win a single major last year however um teams like new york did win a major last year with clay and um but optic so going back to optic scrim this scrimming this year they've i think they've lost three out of the how many scrims is this like 12 i think they've had 12 scrims and they've lost three of them and then they tied one against FaZe. Wow. Um, I think Optic. I think Optic is going to be in a better place than they were last year. I think last year they had too many big egos on the team. Um, Formal was already trying to figure out what he was going to do in the future. You know, like when you have stuff like that going on, I just don't think it's necessarily good for the locker room per se. Yeah. You know, as a, in a sports world, um, like with with Scump uh formal dashy and envoy like they're all superstars sometimes teams with superstars aren't always going to make the best team in the end yeah but i mean it'll be fun it'll be fun to see how scrims keep going and it'll be fun to see what happens in the uh early next year whenever the first uh, major is and stuff like that yeah i feel like it's before we move on from the cdl i think it is worth mentioning that phase has the gang back together a formidable team last season retains rcd's selly i'm a bz simp and they've all played together um for a long time now so i that could end up being hard to beat um i think i think phase is the front runner still has to be right has to be i mean they were dominating i mean they dominated everybody last year they it was never even close yeah they got beat by optic i think like one time yeah the whole year and it was just i mean dominating performance all year for them i will say though this game is completely different yeah we'll see what the the map pool is yeah and and it's crazy they still don't know all the maps like they don't know what the maps for the cdl are going to be they i think they just figured out what the third game mode is going to be like it's crazy. It's, I don't understand. I don't understand what the CDL has to hide for the, its pro teams, but I mean, it's just it's weird. I I think Call of Duty in general is just the way they go about things is so odd in the competitive world. 
ever since they went to a location base franchise system a couple years ago um mm-hmm. i feel like there has been a lot of logistical trouble with the cdl yeah and the the game modes that they're choosing they had i think it was the first year of the location franchises modern warfare um they're playing 5v5 uh, and and yeah. just it really kind of diluted the the player base and the quality and if teams mm-hmm. are scrimming for more time on the game modes and the maps that they're going to be playing the product you're going to put out is going to be so much better and i think we're going to see a large skill gap between the teams like phase and optic and the teams like you know london and i hate to say it uh but the surge yeah <laughs> yeah uh, one thing I was just looking at. Hold on, let me pull this back up. I think I can't remember. Uh, I think it was London or was it Paris? I was just looking at the roster. London, yeah, London still has only one player mm-hmm. on their roster. Afro, and you look, yeah, you look at the unrestricted free agents that have been in the league before. You have Pristini, who wasn't impressive last season. You have Scraps, who's not going back to London after what they did to him last year. Uh, TJ Hawley stands out on that list, but is he going to go play at a London team, or is he just going to wait until one of these big teams is having a little scuffy stretch of their season and go play for them? I think right. that's probably what he's going to do. I can't see Venom going to London, so um, I feel like London's going to have to pull something out of the hat, a, a basically unknown on the scene that's going to have to hit the scene hard for them to have any sort of competitive year right i wonder i wonder if they dip into contenders league at all they have to right try to bring try to bring some up-and-coming guys get them some experience in the cdl Mm -hmm. and kind of do like a rebuild type thing because i mean they weren't they were never competitive last year right i mean there was just too much i mean they they just weren't up to the task yeah, but, um, I, I think I, you're exactly I think, right. It's I got think to that be might contenders. be. A, I think that might be a play. They gotta go. They gotta dip into the contenders and try to bring up a couple up and coming, up and coming uh, guys to turn their team around. Yeah, I agree that that's their only path to being competitive. All right, skis. So one thing we're going to do on the podcast each week is we are going to give you our top five players of the week in esports now one thing before yes please one go. Thing before we go to that i want to bring up formal yes formal just just because i am a, okay i mean no bias here but a lot of bias i'm a big optic guy uh, always have been um formal tweets out that he is playing with sentinels at the world uh champions for halo and rally yeah and so if i am to understand it correctly because let me make sure i get this right sentinels just won the esports arena 25k series e launch invitational with mm-hmm. formal on the bench as the fifth man so i don't know if that means that somebody has been benched or somebody has gone to a different org we'll see if uh formal is playing come raleigh so i think 
I think he was on the bench for them, but he was playing with SSG. Really? Yes. A tweet he sent out today was, it says, on a serious note, this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. I appreciate the guys on SSG. It was fun to learn the game together, and I wish them the best of luck. I'll be playing with Sentinels for Raleigh. Should be a spicy weekend. Well, that is excellent and definitely something to watch for moving forward. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think this Halo is going to be really good for competitive the competitive scene. It is the first time the Halo community has been united in a very long time, and it is exciting yes. to see a uh, stable and healthy player base. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that. You know, these teams that are forming out there are so many of them that have already been formed, and I think that's the best foot forward for these orgs because you see games, and obviously there's going to be known strats in, in Halo, but there's new maps and new guns and new ways the guns function in this Halo. Teams that get started now and start building chemistry are going to be the best off come, you know, major playoffs and and things like that um so it's it's nice to see all these orgs already jumping in and establishing themselves yeah but okay we can move on from there i just wanted to bring that up no that's that is a very good point let's get to our weekly top five players and this week's list is unsurprisingly littered with valorant players and i'm going to lead with my number one skis starzo Starzo, uh, he led his team in ACS during the final against Gambit with 208. Um, he had a 110 rating. His kill to death was 83, 79, and 32 assists. Um, 29% headshot percentage. That's absolutely insane. And he played three different characters across five maps. He's shown versatility and consistency, and he helped ascend prove the world wrong because everybody thought they'd just choke again under pressure anytime any any signs of adversity they uh they kind of crumbled see hundred thieves and breeze in uh the first go around in berlin so uh starzo is my number one for the week nice um so what one guy i want to talk about is nats nats with gambit I don't, again, I'm very new to Valorant. Um, the guy that stood out to me the most was Nats. He had I mean, the he was, highest ACS he was 90, in the yes, final. He was 93 and 62, okay, in the final match against Ascend. He had a 31 headshot percentage, okay? Um, that's just, that's crazy to me. I don't, I don't understand how you can be... I mean, there was times. What did he go? What was he like? Sixteen and zero on in. What was that map? Was that map three? Uh, I believe it was map three, and that is a interesting point. That was fracture, and Gambit absolutely rolled ascend. It yes. was Zeke that goes into the chat during a final match, and these teams know each other reasonably well. Ascent being Eastern Europe, and Gambit being Russia. Um, they scrim each other some, but Zeke goes into the chat during a major final and says, Nats, I'm going to need your sensitivity and your resolution 
which is a right. common I mean, thing for people to say when they they want to mimic what you're doing. It's a it's the highest right. form of compliment. Of compliment, yes. When you're when you're asking somebody those questions mid mid game, the the biggest stage in the world. When you're asking somebody those questions, it, it just shows you like how dominant you are at your craft. Like that's that's insane to me that he did that on the on the final stage. It was a crazy performance and he is so important to their team because he is so good at timing his lurks. Um the next one for me, skis, I am going a little off book here and I'm going to say uh sends frosty. Uh Sentinels in the most recent Halo tournament, the 25k, um they dropped only two maps the entire tournament and frosty was uh, a consistent performer for them so it was an impressive showing and uh, some impressive play by frosty it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up moving forward hey i'll be honest i don't really have much else since you're the valorant pro here <laughs> and you have i mean there was i mean there's not really any other competitions going on right now in any other FPS sports. Well, this is the biggest one this week. So you take the floor and you give me your uh, final two. Okay, I'll take the last two. And I, as far as Valorant Pro goes, I don't know if uh, Gold 2 uh, is considered <laughs> pro, but I, I appreciate okay, it. I haven't even played my ranked games yet, so <laughs> we'll get there someday. Um, I wanted to point out CNED. CNED uh, is the star player for Ascend. He is what people in Europe consistently call the best player in Europe. And he had a good final series um, against Gambit, though maybe not what people expected. He went 80, 75, and 21 with a 208, tied for highest ACS. Uh, still an impressive performance. And for the tournament, he had a 225.5 ACS, point. Uh, 1-9 kill-to-death ratio, 28% headshot percentage. That's over 12 days of a tournament on LAN with the nerves. That's showing a ton of consistency. Um, and it, really impressive stuff from the, the Turk. And then the last one I wanted to highlight here, I am going to highlight the entire crew esports roster. And I know, I know, I know for all of you Valorant fans, I am an American, I am an NA supporter, and I'm going to highlight a Brazil team after all of the drama that took place during Champions. But crew took Gambit to the limit, and if it wasn't for Chronicle, they would have been in the final. Um, yep. And Kesnet played four different agents he had a 246 acs for the tournament uh 24 headshot percentage he was absolutely incredible the south american team um they really put south american valorant on on notice and i think that it's going to invigorate the community and i think that the base of players in South America between furia and crew and vivo keyed has a very very bright future yes i will say the chronicle stats that you're um referencing he went 68 and 45 against them he was positive 23 um and his acs was 262 he had 32% headshot i mean it, it he just i mean he something <laughs> took over his body against crew uh, i was watching that map and or those those games and it was 
it was something special for sure he had, i was very impressed he had a round 22 ace on the third map down 10 to 11 absolutely insane stuff from him so he i i can't wait for the next valorant to get started uh in the next season because i will be watching him and his progress um that about wraps up the the week it was a little bit of a quiet week in esports we got a lot of stuff coming up here in the future to look forward to um you can find the podcast most of the places you can find podcasts, we're going to work very hard to get it on Spotify. We'll get it on Stitcher. It's all going to be under eSports Report. Uh, we will have updates for you on our socials. But if you would do us a favor and give us a like or a follow on your favorite podcast outlet, um, we're going to have a lot of fun each week. And if you have suggestions for the podcast, please reach out. And for skis, I am Money Monzon. We will... Catch you next time.